0: school
1: to CJLO Sports on CJLO 1690 AM. I'm your co-host Matthew Coit, joined with me in the studio, Nicholas Giovanni. How are you doing? Not too bad. I'm not too bad. It's good. It's, we took a week off. We, we had a nice we little did. break.
2: Uh, did you enjoy Thanksgiving?
1: I did. I had a nice one. You
2: had a nice one. You stayed here though. Eh? I was here. Yeah, I didn't go back yeah, home. No. I, I worked at the Alouettes game. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I worked at the Al- Alouettes game. It was pouring last, last week. I don't know if you remember last Monday. Uh,
1: last Monday, God. I don't remember this morning, dude. We're <laughs> I don't even know. It's I don't pouring know. right now. It I don't know what's happening Rico. right now.
2: That, that's just my memory of like the past few weeks. Just rain.
1: Just rain, rain. Just rain, rain, <laughs> rain, rain, go away. Rain, rain, go away. That's all I want. God. Speaking of raining on parades, do uh, you also want to transition to the RSEC? <laughs> raining on parades, but when you think about it, so the singers lost
2: 24 nothing in Montreal this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. That's bad. That's a, almost a win for them. Straight well, up, considering considering, yeah.
1: <laughs> considering the last time they played, where it was seventy three to or seventy four to three. Uh, I don't even think it was three. I think they got two points.
2: Seventy to three. Seventy to three.
1: I think. Seventy to three.
2: That sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> it was supposed to be seventy one to three. Uh, for Like, the Caribbean scored a rouge right at the end, mm-hmm. and for some reason, they just didn't count it. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember seeing the 71 go up on the board, and then when it went down to field level to do the interviews, I looked again, and it was 70. And I was so confused, and I asked Alex Cole about it. After, he said, like, yeah, they just, just took it off, just for whatever reason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? All progress is good progress, and getting that point spread from, like, 70 points to 24, it's I, not bad.
2: Imagine if people are actually betting, and they put the 71... Point spread And right. they lost <laughs> Cause they didn't even get that rouge Yeah I don't think anybody <laughs> Bets on the RSEC though yeah.
1: So uh, big surprises uh, In the RSEC uh, UDM and Laval Still The top two teams Not in that order But uh,
2: La- La- Laval undefeated though
1: Undefeated I Undefeated think, You gotta respect that Of course you do And like Obviously they're the I think number two And number four team In the, c- in the country Yeah so. Laval's
2: one of four teams Undefeated in the whole country
1: So the same four teams Yeah yeah, Still undefeated in U-sports as, football.
2: As we talked about, what,
1: four weeks ago now? Three weeks ago couple now? A couple weeks ago now. I forget. It's so been a while. I'm not so, looking at the standings. I'm, I have them University pulled up. University of Calgary. Yeah. Laval. 6-0. Laval, 7-0. and St. Mary's? Um, St. Mary's. Um, St. Mary's? Mary's is 7-0, uh, yeah. Uh, Western. Yeah, exactly.
2: Oh, on the ball today. Exactly. On the ball. Yeah, Calgary, 6-0. and o And, I mean... Uh,
1: funny things have uh, happened out west, eh? Out west, yeah. Kind of the standings kind of took a weird jumble when uh, University of Regina was docked three wins uh, for fielding an inel- ineligible player. So they went from three and two to oh and five, which really opened up the, the board on the Canada West side. They, they it, actually won, so now they're one and five. They, <laughs> they they're a good won. team, and unfortunately for them, a managerial kind of yeah. Uh, process cost them a chance to make how, the playoffs how does that
2: happen though like first of all i don't know who the player is
1: and i don't think they they I don't think it. they've released that it was a new recruit that's what they said they said it was a problem with the <sighs> recruitment uh just the process someone didn't vet it properly you know something slips through the cracks and unfortunately it cost the team their chance of the playoffs it, and it, they were they're a solid team they're led by one of the best u-sports quarterbacks of all time in Noah picton who i think has the u-sports i think it has a passing record now passing record which is incredible, and it sucks for him. It sucks for the rest of the team to have to now essentially miss the playoffs in, in his senior year.
2: Yeah, and um, you know what? If it's if it was uh, an intentional error, so they got a player that really they knew they shouldn't have been playing. Uh, fine, punish them. But then if it's just a mistake that, like you said, the vetting process, you got to almost feel for them. You got to almost feel bad. Yeah, because it, it, it really sucks. Go f- going from three and two, they could have been four and two right now. Would have put them right in second place in. Uh, in the division and they go right down to the bottom. They're even below Saskatchewan and Alberta. When you're below Alberta, things aren't looking too good for you.
1: No, and now we have an interesting situation at West where top 4 teams make the playoffs. So, obviously University of Calgary's the top team in that division, 6 and 0. You have three teams below that who are 3 and 3. And then Alberta's 2 and 4. And Alberta's 2 and 4. So, essentially every team except uh, Regina can make the playoffs in theory. But how many games do they play? play? They play eight, eight, seven. So there's two games left in the season. Each one of the three teams remaining. So that's Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and UBC. Just need one win to clinch.
2: I wonder, depending on the schedule, if it's still possible for Regina to clinch because. If they have two games left, they could finish at three and five. Then you look at UBC, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. I'm not. I don't know if it's possible that they all lose and they all finish three and five. I don't think so because they all have to play each other. Yeah. So someone's getting a win no matter what. Yeah, exactly. But Unless there's a tie. But are there are there ties in new sports? Are there ties? In, I, don't I don't think, think so. so. I think they just keep going. Okay. That's only in the NFL. The most boring thing about sports. Imagine finishing the game, the exact same way you started. That's <laughs> you're, so you're boring. A soccer fan. You're a soccer fan. Fine, <laughs> <got it>. fine. <laughs> <laughs> fine. <laughs> the cultural guys. Uh, Tuesdays at two yeah, on CJO six ninety. By the way, The self promotion. Yeah, it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's true, eh? But <laughs> okay, uh, in North American sports. North American. So hockey, hockey removed the tie. Uh, basketball. Is it even possible to tie in basketball? I've never seen it. Uh, I mean, it's really hard, and I think in I think in the NBA they do continue the game into double overtime, triple overtime. If it, if it does stay tied. Mm-hmm. And um, what other sports are there, Matt? I, I couldn't even tell <laughs> I you. I could
1: go in a tie.
2: The NHL had it for a bit. <laughs> yeah, they, a they removed it. No, My I'm God. trying to think. Okay, My so, oh, yeah, baseball. You can't finish uh, t- uh, baseball in a tie. Literally the most boring thing ever. And then um, football. I I think we discussed this before, Matt, how football in the NFL, uh, overtime is only 10 minutes now, so there's been, already been about three, four ties, and it's just so boring we need we need the youth sports rules and so at least there's not going to be any ties in uh the canada west so
3: you, you know someone's play, making the playoffs someone's and making the playoffs you got to feel bad be, for Regina.
1: yeah you do it's just it's a tough situation for them but uh good for everybody else in that division who's looking to unclog kind of that competitive middle because before that essentially every team was in the hunt and now yeah you know, maybe, I'm not sure exactly technicalities if Regina can still make it, but it's not looking too good for them. No. And
2: uh, one division, so that's a, that's obviously a tight division. Mm-hmm. And then one division who's not, it's it's the RSEC. That's just the exact <laughs> same thing every single every year. Every
1: year, every week. Yeah. <laughs> How so many times boring. do we say Laval won? Laval UDM won. won. Yeah. <laughs>
2: the, the only time where UDM doesn't win is against Laval. They're 5-2 and two and <laughs> they've lost to Laval. And at least for the Stingers, they're like the best of Division B of the RSEC this year. So they're, they're two and four <laughs> and then McGill's one and five and Sherbrooke's one and five. So they're playing, um, they're playing McGill at home on, uh, on Saturday. And it, I just went to the Stingers website right now. It says football to host breast cancer awareness game. That's actually really cool. That's that, nice. That's really cool. And then they play Sherbrooke in the last, last game
1: of the season. And now, you know, with the you know, same four teams kind of dominating like they have, I don't, see them now going this far and you know dropping off uh at any point you know maybe one team will lose a game but those seem to be the four teams that are gonna be competing for the vanier any predictions to, as to who <sighs> calgary's looking really good Adam Sinagras averaging about a hundred yards more than the next quarterback uh I think he's thrown the second or third most tds he's got um He's got some great receivers with him too, who are making plays. I think one of the receivers is is number two in receiving yards per game, with like 112. Um, they're looking really solid. Western's tough to overlook as well. They're coming out of a really deep OUA field, and they've you know been able to hold off every competitor and every you know anybody trying to take that crown from them. And I don't know AUS. I, I'm having a tough time kind of seen them beating any of the other uh, three teams, but uh, you know and then Laval you know Laval. They're, they're like perennial Vanier Cup threat
2: I, I think they're almost a, a scratch in for the Vanier Cup because you look at the schedule so every year the Mitchell Bowl and the UTEC Bowl the two like national semifinals it kind of rotates who plays whom and and where and so this year the the Canada West champion will host the OUA champion. While the RSEC champion is going to host the AUS champion, so that means so let's put
1: Laval into the Vanier final right now. Yeah, exactly. Might as well. That, that's what that's what I said. No point. Scratching. Yeah. They're going
2: to be hosting St. Possibly St. Mary's,
1: and that's you know what that's if they beat
2: Montreal at home. We still have to go through this whole process, mm-hmm. but we're talking about these top four teams right now, and that you know Calgary versus Western. That's an amazing game, but a bit almost unfair because that's almost your your one two in the semifinal. Exactly.
1: It's going to be interesting to see kind of what teams come up on top. And UDM, you know, a really strong team as well, but they've lost both their games against Laval, so it looks like Laval kind of has their number at least for this season. Uh, kind of seeing where you know maybe playoffs, maybe that changes, but it's not looking like that right now. It looks like Laval is kind of a lockout East.
2: Yeah, I, I, I would I would say so say so, but then I think the winner of the the Mitchell Bowl, so the winner of kind uh, of West yeah. and OUA, wins the Vanier Cup. Cat- cup almost no matter no matter who it is unless some you know upset team came through the ranks and then had to face Laval, St. Mary's, you know, one of those teams. Stingers your your chances now. <laughs> they're going to have to first of all go to Montreal. So I mean realistically like I said, they play McGill and they play Sherbrooke. Mm-hmm. Realistically they go for that third spot, which yeah. that's what they should be realistically aiming for every single year. And then, you know, they're going to go to Montreal, hopefully not lose 70 to 3. Hopefully make a game out of it. Maybe we, go to overtime. We, we hope
1: for a lot of things in life. Yeah, we do. and, you know, then, and <laughs> What's better, losing 70-3 to three or getting shut out? Getting shut out 24 nothing. Yeah. But
2: if you get shut out, 70 nothing, That's worse. That's worse. It is worse. I, I think it's that. I think it's almost as bad as just putting three measly points on the board. Because <laughs> then it's like you know you had the chance. Did they even to- score
1: three that first game?
2: I don't think so. I think it was just two. Uh, uh. I think they just got a safety. No, that was against... Laval here. Oh, when I'm mixing up my blowouts. Yeah, exactly. I'm mixing up my blowouts. Yeah, when they played Montreal here, they scored a field goal because they were in the red zone and they couldn't score. So that's why I'm saying. That's why I'm saying it's almost as bad as just getting shut out. Like you know, you know, you had that opportunity to score and you had to settle for a field goal. Mm-hmm. Might as well just just not even go. Just keep your offense on the
1: sidelines. Get zero points. <laughs> 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 Out West, again, you know, a couple teams looking to clinch uh, this week. Uh, Manitoba was looking to to get their playoff spot. Unfortunately, went to Calgary, couldn't quite uh, pull off the the upset. So, you know, like we said before, at least three teams tied at 3-3 and out West. And honestly, it's a toss-up to see who clinches first because they all have to play each other. And realistically, it makes sense that those are going to be the teams making it uh, for the playoffs. But... I feel like as the season's gone along, we haven't seen the rankings change that much, as much as we have in other years. I feel like it's been fairly consistent. Who's at the top. Just the whole oh, overall with who's who's on top of the league. Besides, you
2: know Regina dropping all these, yeah, these yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They actually play. They're actually in Calgary Friday night, and then uh, Manitoba's in Saskatchewan. Uh, Alberta is in BC. I feel like there's teams on two teams on bye then out of that conference. There's a fly on my mic. <laughs> Man, he wants to get in on this. <laughs> you got some hot takes, too. You got some to. hot <laughs> takes. I'll, I'll ask him about it later. So th- those are, yeah, no. I, I, f- I said I felt like there were teams missing out of the schedule, I just said, but no, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, UBC, and then uh, Regina, at Calgary this week. So maybe maybe Regina could uh, help themselves out and, and pull off that upset yeah. in Calgary.
1: Exactly. So we're just going to go to break right now. When we, when we come back, we'll be talking... What are we talking about? Men's hockey. Men's hockey. Stingers. Stingers. More U-sports stuff. More U-sports stuff. This is
2: what that show... This is... This show is dedicated to that.
1: <laughs> so stay tuned and we'll be right back.
2: Uh, you know what? We played... Uh, I think we played good 40 minutes and then in the third we... we can have some breakdown or whatever but uh, we're going to have to learn uh, from, uh, from the mistakes and then uh, get better for uh, next week. And we have, uh, some breakdown. Some, some mistakes that... Uh, should have happened, especially uh, in this zone uh, miscommunication at one point with the guy. And then he, when you left, uh, they have a good, they have a really good top line. And when you leave, when you give those guys uh, ten minutes' space, this is what happens. You know, mentally, you got to be sharp for sixty minutes. And I think as soon as you, as soon as you try to go uh, and do everything by yourself, you uh, create some chances for your team and this is what happened. You have to stick to the game plan. If you don't stick to the game plan, you're never going to have success.
1: And this is uh, what happened in the third. Welcome back to CJLO Sports. You just heard uh, the men's hockey coach for the Stingers, Marc-André Eleman, talking about uh, his team's effort this past weekend. 3-1 loss against
2: UQTR Patriots, Patriots, the Patriots de the University Quebec at Trois-Rivières. Did I say that whoa. properly? Whoa! That's one name. Not a
1: big deal. It's showing off the French a little bit.
2: <laughs> Mem- remember when we used to broadcast last year? We did a couple of games against UQTR, and I always had, I always had trouble. <laughs> You've sing been Singing all summer.
1: You've been training yeah, for this. You,
2: you could, yeah, UQTR.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Singers now, you know, for a team that has such high expectations going into the season, they're kind of at a weird point right now in the first three games. They're 1-2. And, and They're 1-2. They're 1-2. But they they're should one be. And two.
2: They're 1-2. They're going to they're going to be finishing this week 3-2. and two. You think so? I think so. They're playing the York Lions at home on Friday night. That's going to be a tough... You know what? That is a tough game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played each other in the bronze medal game last year. Uh, and then the Ryerson Rams are just, you know, a traveling team like that. They probably played McGill the night before. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know... It,
1: I wouldn't say it's easy wins for the Stingers, but very doable games wins. they should win. Games they should win. They, I agree. Games they should win. I think what surprised most people uh, who follow the OUA in uh, out east is the Stingers' lost to RMC in the in the season opener. Two one win for RMC for a team that missed the playoffs last year, and the Stingers went did. to Kingston and lost two one to a team that that should be one of those.
2: They're a good team. They're a military team, so you know they're strong. <laughs> <laughs> they
1: did, and they played strong too. I watched uh, a good bit L-Brand, of that game. Your boy, yeah. I, I didn't see him out there, but. Uh, I saw, you know, RMC definitely looks stronger. Their goalie, I think, got uh, the U Sports Athlete of the Week or something like that. Brad Van Schubert. Yeah, he had
2: 36 saves against the Stingers. Crazy. crazy. I think think RMC won the following night or something. Uh, Let me just pull up their schedule.
1: And then after that game at RMC, Concordia came back, uh, had their home opener against Carlton, got the win 4-2. And then the uh, week after that, UQTR from the clip you just heard from LMA, uh that three-one loss, and UQTR is, is also a fairly solid team. Oh, so uh,
2: we yeah. spoke to Alex two exactly. weeks ago, and he said that's going to be a team that's going to be giving them the singers trouble. Mm-hmm. UQTR, McGill, uh, Queens, Queens. Is, yeah. is Queens, Queens on the east. Yeah, Queens it is. Yeah. East. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but uh, you know, I think the point I'm trying to get at here is that. When you have these games that you should be winning, especially the season opener against a team like RMC, who, albeit last year had a solid year and missed out by one point of the playoffs, you should, if you're a nationally ranked team, you should still be able to go and win those games.
2: That, that's why they dropped down to 10 last week. I think they started at 7, 8. I think eight. I think eight, and, and that's dropped. where they
1: finish at the national championship. Yeah, exactly. So exactly, it makes
2: sense that that's where they were placed. And then, uh, so they went down to ten last week, and then this year they're not. Uh, this week they're not going to be on the list. No, they were. on
1: 10. They got a little bit of leeway with the the zero and one, but well, they were one and one. They were one at the and time.
2: One. Yeah, when it, they went down to ten, because oh they, yeah, they you're right. They lost RMC right. and then they beat Ottawa. Yeah, but even if you look at the standings right now uh RMC's ahead of them. They, RMC does have an extra game played. Mm-hmm. They have an extra win and then Ottawa, Ottawa is uh is 2 and 0. Mm-hmm. Ottawa is 2 and 0. Uh Queen's is 3 and 0. Then UOIT, that's another difficult name. UOIT, the Ridgebacks. The Ridgebacks yeah. of uh University of Ontario Institute of Technology. They're Ooh. actually 3 and 1. They're uh they're up there. And then
1: and then there's McGill. Uh, in the third spot. And so I'm not saying that I don't think the Stingers will be able to get back up to winning record because I think definitely they're one of the stronger teams in the division, as we saw last year, and their new recruits this year have all been solid so far, solid additions in theory. I'm just saying when you look at the amount of teams that are having good starts, it makes it more difficult for a team to have to come back to that and kind of look up and see, well, all these other teams are 3-0, and 3-1, yeah. And now you're playing catch-up from the beginning, as opposed yeah. to starting out with that lead. And you know they should have been two and one coming out of the first three games. Two and one. Yeah, Yeah, the UQTR game obviously can go either way. With that, they're a strong team, so there's no kind of there's no shame in losing that one because it's another strong team. But RMC, you got to get that win. You have to. I mean.
2: If you look at it this way, if they scored more goals in RMC and UQTR, they'd be three and zero right now. <laughs> <laughs> if they did score more goals in the game, they would have won, which
1: means they would have had a better record.
2: And Matt, you know what I said, Ryerson. It's kind of a easy win. They're <laughs> three and zero. Ryerson's three and zero. That's not uh, seen very often. And York's two and one. We haven't but, seen that very but often. But also, the OUOS is just a weaker division. That's so, true. So Ryerson, they they played. Uh, just pull up those 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 schedules. They played Waterloo. They beat them (laughs) (laughs) 10-1. And Waterloo's not even like the worst team in the division right now. Yeah. They're one and two. So they beat Waterloo 10-1. And then they beat the Guelph Griffins 4-3 and the Toronto Varsity Blues 6-2.
4: Yeah. Wow. They have a high scoring team.
2: They do. They have a high scoring team. They have 20 goals 4. And six goals against. Whoa, that's pretty So good.
1: This could be a challenge for the Stingers Saturday night. It's an early challenge, too. You, you know, out of the first five games of the season, having two tough teams like that
2: would be a good test. At least, at least, at test. At at least yeah, home.
1: that's true. They are at home. Uh, the Ryerson game is on Saturday, October 20th. Uh, looking at the rest of the schedule, they're playing Western. They're playing Toronto. they, they play playing UQTR again. Yeah, a little bit. They're gone for a couple weeks. Um, do you see the Stingers kind of rallying around or around the idea that they might now be the underdogs. Do you think they are underdogs now? It's uh, a little early in the season. Not, but. not a not in one and two. Not at one and two because UQTR
2: is right right there with them at one and two. Um it's tough to say man. Uh even look you look at Carlton, another decent team, they're zero one and two. So they have one re- regulation loss and two O T losses. And I think, you know, Mark when Mark Andre Almond brings to singers is uh he repeats this all the time in his post game interviews like one game at a time mentality and they have enough guys on that roster who've played a high level of of junior hockey who've played almost even in the ECHL they know uh not to get ahead of themselves they know they can't look at the standings right now they're so, they're in a playoff spot if you want to look at look at it that way, <laughs> they're in a playoff spot. That's what matters at the yeah. end of the day. And uh, this this underdog mentality, I don't think they they will look at it that way, especially when they they have these these upcoming home home games, and they know they're going to want to do it for the fans, especially ba- those back to back Friday Saturday mm-hmm. home games.
1: And from what you've seen from the team, do you think I haven't seen anything? You haven't seen anything. from the <laughs> From what we've heard, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> along the grapevine, you know, we saw. Past two seasons, they've come out with like a definitive star. Two years ago, it was Anthony DeLuca. Last year, it was uh, Anthony Beauregard. Is there another Anthony? <laughs> uh, they Anthony can... Beauregard? I don't remember him. He scored about 60 points. Yeah, who, who's yeah. that? Never heard of her. No, um, me neither. Is there another Anthony we can turn <laughs> to? <laughs> well, not
2: What's an it? Anthony, a, a Chase. A Chase. A, a Chase Harwell. Uh, I think you'd speak to anybody within the Stingers... Uh, anybody who knows anything about the Stingers Mm -hmm. anybody who knows anything about hockey (laughs) okay wow anything (laughs) Anybody? kind of cute we just matched up there (laughs) I feel good Chase Harwell could be the next star for the Stingers Mm -hmm. Mark Andre has really spoken highly of him we had him on in our first show I believe so yeah I I think our first show about a month ago now Um, and he just speaks so highly of him he plays on the top line he plays with I believe he plays with Hudo and Sanche Mm mm-hmm if I'm not mistaken, so basically the top line from last year of Sanche, Beauregard, and Croza you know, only is mm-hmm. left, so then Hudon goes up. The, the guy's a workhorse, Hudon. Exactly. And you got Chase Harwell, who uh, who could score, you know, almost whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. That That's the important thing. And also, what I've heard, and, you know, when we spoke to Marc-Andre is the defense. So you got Brad alone. you got uh, Charlie Roy, that... Uh, come in and bolster that defense, from mm-hmm. which they didn't lose any players. You know, so you're only Carl- adding talent at that point. Yeah, yeah and exactly.
1: He, on top of that, you got Carl Neal. Carl Neal, uh, he's a who DB. <laughs> he put up, you know, some incredible numbers last year, and he's you know solid defensively, good with the puck, can rush it, can hold it down his own end, and now you're bringing in guys who are only going to be able to support that and give uh, Neal more space and more time with the puck, as which is where he succeeds
2: oh yeah and and then it helps when uh he's playing with alexand gosselin where that that pairing is your typical offensive defenseman defensive defenseman uh one two where gosselin basically allows carl neal to, to rush that puck up to join in on the attack without gosselin carl neal might have to be more responsible defensively not saying that he's not responsible but he does have you have
1: to focus a little bit more on the yeah, defensive aspect. you can't
2: take that risks you know mm-hmm. um so Gus Lane, Gus Lane and Neal are really fun to watch because they shut it down on one end. Carl Neal brings up the puck the other end and, and could do anything he wants with it. Mm-hmm.
1: We saw it last year, too. I don't. We all knew what Carl Neal had to offer, but kind of seeing the way he could take over a game like that was, was kind of eye-opening, at least on our end, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I think for everybody. I don't think anybody expects him to go out there and score how many points? 40-something, I think. Or maybe a little less. He led all defensemen in scoring.
2: Yeah, and he was... Was he rookie of the year in U-sports? No.
1: No. No. That was... uh, Riley Brandt. Riley Brandt got that. Because he led in... Goal scoring, He's not, not in scoring. goal scoring,
2: not point scoring. Yeah. Uh, actually, I actually saw Carl Neal with Chase Harwell walking this morning. So that's two talented guys right there. It was just a funny <laughs> bit, you know. I'm parked yeah. in my car waiting for the uh, parking them, restrictions to following them. Yeah, waiting for the parking <laughs> restrictions to finish, oh. and then you know I see a hey, Carl. You know,
1: so right now for the Stingers, uh, Philip Sash leads the team in points with three. Uh, everybody else kind of has one. Hartwell has one. Hugo Roy has one from his goal against RMC. Um, Gosselin has one. We're also super early into the year. <laughs> I'm not... I don't know if I've seen enough of the team to know if they have a superstar on it yet. Because oh, Bo- from the beginning, we saw Beauregard dominate.
2: He, he was also there for the second half of the season two years That's ago. That's true uh and he put up
1: 2017 he put up crazy points there too i think he put yeah. up like 19 points in 14 games something Some, like that.
2: something like that but so, nobody nobody could have seen him scoring 60 points in 28 games no last
1: year. you went to predict that you and, would have predicted a kind of a deluca year we scored 40 45 <laughs> yeah i think which is also also <laughs> very incredible good. yeah borgard you know, had had an incredible right. season now he's out in brampton i believe in the the echl borgard yeah yeah the with brampton
2: and then crows is in italy that's not bad. Good Italian boy. I spoke, I, I spoke to him last year one game. He told me, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, I want to get my degree first, but I have an Italian passport, so I might go to play in Italy. And, well, mm-hmm. that ended up happening. <laughs>
1: that's, a, that's a tough one. to. <laughs> oh, no, I have to go play hockey in Italy? Yeah. Mm, that mm. sucks. Uh, near Milan? <laughs> mm. uh, oh, that too sounds bad. awful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out and do the same thing. Yeah. I'm, I- I- could probably I'm make, training.
2: I could probably make the Italian national team. No, I can't. <laughs> I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> I'm training right now. I'm eating my Doritos. I'm drinking my beer. <laughs> I'm eating, eating my, my pasta. I'm, just trying, I'm trying to get there, you know? i trying see, to get the game weight.
2: Did you see what Roberto Longo said about playing a thousand games? No, what do you say? Uh, he eats a lot of pizza and, pa- pizza and pasta. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I did see that. They asked him what his secret was yeah. to, to playing a <laughs> thousand. A lot of pizza and a lot of pasta. You,
2: you know what? For a goalie, that's amazing. That is absolutely <laughs> amazing. A thousand games. Who was the
1: last goalie to crack a thousand before him? I have no idea. It must have been like Patrick Burdur. Yeah. Burdur was. Been a rep, like played for like a bazillion years.
2: Yeah, and he he had no backups ever. True. Like I'm sure some nights like the dr- the <laughs> Devils didn't even dress a backup. No, no point. Yeah, no point. <laughs> even if Breder's hurt, he's still better than about 55 goalies.
1: Mm-hmm. And just now to transition, we just want to remind you you're listening to CJLO Sports on CJLO 1690 AM, broadcasting out of Montreal, Quebec. And Nick, I went to go see the season opener for Les Canadiennes, the Montreal Pro Women's team. Of the Canadian Women's Hockey League here, and they kind of had switched up their home arena a little bit. They are going to be playing seven games at Place Bell, home of the Laval Rocket.
2: Yeah, it's good. It's cool. Uh, it's cool to see because um, you know we talk about this all the time, Matt. Growth of women women's hockey, mm-hmm. and uh, every year there's always something to continue growing. And this year it's an arena, and uh, they had 1,500 fans. Uh which Saturday night, they
1: did, and it, you know, does it seem like a lot? Because it's a ten thousand arena. It looks small yeah. because the arena is so massive. Any other arena in that league, fifteen hundred fans fills the arena. Yeah, except for the rinkeries. The yeah, the, except for the rink in China, which seats eighteen thousand. Yeah, for reasons unbeknownst to me. Unknown, no, but, but uh, fifteen hundred is 500 good. It's solid, and they're loud. Uh, they're like loud. they
2: they go because they want to. Exactly, they're not going there like. You know, some people at a hockey, uh, Habs game are going there because... Just to they, go. They got tickets. Yeah. They got, they're got they going there for basically a business meeting. And when you go to a Canadiens game, you go, to, you go there to cheer.
1: Exactly. And, it you know, it probably didn't help that, you know, the time slot was the exact same time slot as the Canadiens, uh, the, the Montreal Canadiens home game yeah. in downtown Montreal. Yeah. Which probably doesn't help, you know, if you're in Laval, you are choosing between who you're going to go to. The Canadiens is still so new to that area. You that know
2: what? you know what this sorry to interrupt you but this is a hot take the canadian the canadians Canadiens, yeah however you want to say it and the habs won't be competing for tickets because the habs ticket sales are just a crazy crazy amount that families cannot afford it mm-hmm. meanwhile the Canadiens. uh Lower, lower price tickets. I don't know how much they were. 10, I don't 15 know bucks. Yeah, around Where that. Families can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So a family of four, you have two young daughters. They want to watch hockey. You have the option of spending about $100 total for a night for four tickets, four hot dogs, four Cokes, parking. Yeah. Your daughters get to see Mary Fipul- Philip Poulay and Hillary Knight versus spending $600 for four tickets and that's it. Uh, at yeah. uh, Canadians game, where are you gonna go?
1: Yeah, that's true. And honestly, the atmosphere at the game, like, even though there is there's some empty seats out there, you know, it was loud and they were cheering. And it's it's a great atmosphere. Yeah, it, it's so much fun to be at those games. And you know, you see like, they're introducing the team and Maggie Fitipulain, last one introduced wearing the C, uh, this year, and she goes out there and the the crowd just stands up and is cheering. And even after the game, they're shaking hands. I didn't see a single person leave. <laughs> it, I've never <laughs> seen this before. There was nobody leaving to like rush out of parking with a minute left in the third. Everybody stayed. I didn't see a single person walk out of that arena before the players got off the ice. Yeah. No, it, was, that, that, it was crazy. I'd never seen that before.
2: That's good. That's good. And uh, that's why it goes show They're there because they want to. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they get to see some amazing hockey. I mean, Calgary and Montreal, that was the playoff series last year. Mm-hmm. Uh Good hockey. Montreal won 2-1 on Saturday, and then they played again at Place Bell uh, Sunday afternoon, and, and Calgary took that one 3-1. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they have, what, now five more games at Place Bell? I believe so, well, at least, because there's still two uh,
1: games on their schedule yeah. that haven't been declared yet. So they might play the Bell Center They might. play. They might. You never know, yeah. Because they do that about
2: once a year. That's true.
1: We'll so that could be one of the games, which is also incredible. Uh, I have a clip here from the scrum with Hillary Knight after their first win, uh, their season opener win. And, you know, she was, you know, excited to kind of get out there. And she played three games for the Canadian last season, but uh, didn't get a point. And in the, in the season opener, she got an assist. So we talked about that. We talked about the arena. And uh, here's Hillary Knight from Friday after the 2 1 win against the Calgary Inferno. That <laughs> seems to be stressful. So how did you find your game? Um, cool. I think we had
0: a slow start, and then we kind of relaxed in the game as it, it went along. So uh, we're looking forward to tomorrow. Did you like the crowd? Did you like the atmosphere in the ups? Yeah, atmosphere? it was good. I mean, like uh, Canadian always has a great crowd. Um, you know, I would like to see a little bit more faces in the stands, but we're gonna work on it.
3: Happy to get that first game out of the way a little bit.
0: Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's the first time we play together, and obviously, there's a little bit of nerves, a little bit of excitement, um, a lot of you know, different communication that we have to work out. And I thought we did a really good job as the game progressed.
1: First full season with the Canadiens. What are some of your expectations going forward?
0: Uh, well, I think the expectation is to win at the end of the journey, but um, for the journey to figure out what type of team we are on that way, um, but. Every team wants to win at the end, their last game. So um, I wouldn't expect anything less than this team. You came into this team with a lot of expectations on you last season. Is it finally kind of like the monkey off the back to get a point at least in this jersey? Um, I mean it doesn't really matter as long as we win. So it's you know we kind of gu- we gutted that game out towards the end and we were able to put it in, at, in when we needed to. So it worked out. And how do you think getting this win in the home opener will set the tone for the rest of the season? Um, it's really good to win. It feels great, but um, you know, at the same time, we figured out what works, what doesn't work. We go back, we try it out tomorrow, and we'll see where we are. Were you overall satisfied with the game you played uh the team today? Um, yeah, I think it was a good start. I think uh, we can definitely be crisper on our execution, and you're only going to see us get better as each game comes forward
3: a lot of familiar faces on the other side, how was that, that? Yeah, it was covered? weird, it was weird with my teammates
0: on the other side, I was like, oh my gosh, and that's, yep, she's going that way.
4: Um, so,
0: no, it's it's just great to be on the ice when the, the players are phenomenal, elite level, the fans got to see a great game, really two clashing the titans at the professional level.
3: What would be the thing to work on for tomorrow?
0: I just think execution, starting from the puck drop at the beginning. Uh, you know, we, we gave up some rushes that, you know, I think we can really hunker down on and clean up our game. After the last uh, preseason game we talked about the power play and you
3: were telling us that oh there's a lot of good players there and tonight it seems a little bit tough on the power play. What what can you make to maybe
0: have a go tomorrow? Yeah, well, it's our, it was our first uh, go at the power play. Um, they came out with a lot of pressure, and they have a lot, a lot of speed. So it's something you just have to adjust to. Yeah, we practice it. We've practiced it a few times now, but really getting that in-game rhythm is something different. I hope and expect that we get better as we go on.
3: How you find your stay so far in Laval?
0: I love it. Yeah, Las <laughs> Bell is great. Um, the energy there was great. We want more fans to come. Uh, really embrace us as uh, the city team, but I think it's going to come when it needs to. Did you know the city before? Laval? Yeah, I see it on the sign. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never been here. But this facility is beautiful, and um, you know I, I welcome anyone to come
1: watch us play. Welcome back to CJLO Sports on CJLO 1690 AM. So what you heard there was Hillary Knight after her 2-1 win. And now we're joined by former Stingers captain and defenseman, Maggie Joelle Allard.
2: And uh, Mary, so how, is, uh, how have the first uh, few weeks been uh, professionally for you? But,
4: uh, I'm really a be part of uh, Le Canadien, and uh, I couldn't ask the, uh, uh, a better uh, scenario for uh, for me um it's like i mean the level of play is uh, really good and i'm i'm happy with that yeah
1: so uh how is it adjusting to the higher level of play
4: uh well it's much faster so for sure uh it's different uh like i mean it's it, for me it's uh like i need to adjust to that level that is faster uh, i think the girls have been great with me in the sense that they're helping me on the ice during practices and stuff like that so it's it's good
2: how has it been playing with uh, some of past olympians from last year like Mar- mary philippe and hillary knight who we just heard
4: um well they're helping me a lot like i said uh during practices uh they're working so hard so uh, they're leading by example, which is really helpful because you're just looking at them and they're uh, making it look so easy. But uh, I no, um, just in general, they're they're really helpful, giving like a lot of uh, advice on the ice and uh, yeah, the the help you on the ice because they they're they're just so good that. They make them. They, they make you better on the ice for sure.
1: And going into your first game this weekend with the Canadiens, were there any nerves, or what? What were some of your feelings?
4: Oh, <laughs> well, for sure, I was really excited uh, to be part uh, of the team for my first game. Uh, but for sure there were some nerves because uh, you don't want to make mistakes and uh, you want to you wanna gain confidence from your teammates. But uh, I think it went well, and I'm happy with the results. Well, not the final results because uh, we lost the game, but uh, from my personal performance, I'm, I'm happy with what I did.
2: So how about uh, playing, you know, five years with the Stingers? playing under Julie Chu and Carolyn Ouellette. What were some of the things that helped you that you learned here uh, to transition into playing professional hockey?
4: I think it's to earn my role. Uh, I'm in a different role than I, what I used to. Uh, it's Concordia. So, uh, yeah, it's it just like to be just... Uh, earn my spot and just be happy with what I have and just yeah, leave the moment and enjoy the little things. I think that's, that's what I learned from Concordia for
2: sure. So MJ, I know we spoke last year about playing with your sister. So you played uh, with Adrian three years uh, at Concordia, a couple years in Sejep, and now it's first year that you're not playing together. So uh, what's that like?
4: Uh, for sure it's different. Um, she was there this weekend for my uh, first game, so it was special uh, to have her and my best friend at the game. Um, but yeah, I, I miss her and uh, I know she's uh, supporting me in that. And uh, even if she's far, I know that she's behind me, but I uh, know it's, uh, it's, it's a little different.
1: And now going to the Stingers, they were just ranked number two in the country in last week's U Sports Top 10. How do you see them doing this year?
4: Uh, well, I wish them luck because uh, I want them to do great this season and uh, uh, I know they will. Uh, they have a team we played against them uh, at the beginning of a training camp and they have a pretty good team so I'm sure they, they'll do great and uh, I'm happy that they, they start the season second and uh, I hope they're going to finish first at the end.
1: And you just mentioned it there, but what was it like to play the Stingers in that preseason game?
4: Well, for sure it was special because uh, I spent uh, my five, uh, the five past years with them, so to play against them was a little special. <laughs> uh, but for sure it was fun uh, to play with them and uh, to see them on the ice, even if I wasn't... I was, like, on the other side of uh, the ice. It, it, was, it was nice to see them.
2: So I know... Uh Right before you came on, we were talking about uh, Place Bell. What, what's it like to first train there and play there in such a such a big uh, arena?
4: Um, no, it's good. Um, I mean, uh, the Canadians are, are working so hard to have like good facilities uh, for practices and for games. Uh, so it's it's nice to have that opportunity and uh, just. To make the most of it, um, I think it was really good to see the fans uh, this weekend uh, be there for us and support us during uh, the opening weekend.
2: All right, thank you very much, MJ. Thank
4: you.
2: So that was Marie Joelle uh former captain of the Concordia Stingers, current player on the the Canadiens de Montreal. You're listening to CJLO Sports on CJLO
1: 1690. Welcome back to CJLO Sports on CJLO 1690 AM. And now we're joined by a very special guest. We're joined by baseball connoisseur, expert, call him what you want, Ben Frazier. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I'm not too bad. Not too bad, yourself.
3: I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on.
2: Uh, that's good. We, we we need we need a bit of baseball talk every once in a while. It's October. I mean, it's October playoffs. means baseball. It's playoffs. World Series coming up next week. Not a big deal. You know, it's yeah. this
1: little thing called the World Series. <laughs> So Ben, can you walk us through a little bit about what's been happening in the playoffs so far?
3: Yeah, sure. So um, what a lot of what a lot of people are seeing is that this Milwaukee Brewers team that had a very very good season in terms of in terms of what you normally see from from the Brewers. They built up in the offseason, and that's coming to fruition with the ninety six win season and uh, and winning their division. But the uh, and in these playoffs, they're showing they're very competitive against. This, the L.A. Dodgers team, and that's the big story. You're seeing what this what this Brewers team could be is one of those underdog teams that goes all the way and wins the World Series. But in the American League, uh, what you're seeing is the two juggernauts of, base, juggernauts of baseball with the Red Sox and the Astros going head-to-head in the ALCS. And what a lot of people are saying, even though the Red Sox won 108 games this year, best in Major League Baseball, the Astros still won 103 games, and it's going to be probably one of the best series, one of the best American League Championship series of all time. And so,
1: obviously, you know, the Astros and Red Sox, two teams that had a lot of success in the regular season, how do you think they've been doing so far in the playoffs? Do you think they've been living up to that pipe?
3: Uh, absolutely. I think uh, what you're seeing from the Red Sox is you're seeing one, the uh, best hitting team in baseball throughout the regular season live up to that, because... During the regular season, the Red Sox finished first in the American League in all of the major, uh, in all in all major hitting categories that include batting average, on base percentage, and uh, slugging percentage as a team. What, you, what they miss, ironically, even though adding J.D. JD Martinez to the team, is they're missing a little bit of that power. To be, uh, to be fair, they play in Fenway Park, so a lot of that right-handed, sorry, that left-handed power is going right off the Green Monster back onto the field but the Red Sox still hit 208 home runs during the year, which is good enough for six in the American league. But what you're seeing is really their pitching is what's coming back to bite them. As it's very well reported, David Price, he's very, throughout his career, he's been a major disappointment in the playoffs, no matter where he is. And you saw that last night, luckily the Red Sox had that offensive outburst. they have been missing so far and was able to uh, secure the win for them. But why it's, Uh, I think the Red Sox have the potential to defeat the Astros this year. And the reason they didn't last year is because of the fact that they didn't have the pitching and very quietly Chris Sale, I think has overtaken Clayton Kershaw as the best left-handed starter in baseball. And he's really beginning to show that.
2: So last night, uh, like you said, David Price, major disappointment in the playoffs. He was like that with the Blue Jays and uh, you know, his offense came through last night, but do you think it could be kind of a turning point just mentally for him?
3: I mean, Price has got to shape up in the playoffs. The Red Sox are paying him over $200 million for a reason. But the, but Alex Cora has got to make a decision. The manager of the Red Sox has got to make that decision whether to use him as a starter and risk and risk having games like this against Houston in the playoffs, or even worse, let's say they beat Houston and he has a game like this in the World Series. Or he can transition to a four-man Rotation, which often often happens in the playoffs, and use either Nathan Ivaldi or Eduardo Rodriguez in his place, which uh, they're younger. In the case of Rodriguez, and Ivaldi has had his struggles, but he's been excellent as a Red Sox uh, since he was acquired uh, this season. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. essentially Price is 32 years old. It's really now or never for him to make his make his playoff struggles go away.
1: Mm-hmm. And speaking of pitchers, Chris Sale hospitalized with an illness. If that continues and he has to miss some games. What impact do you think that has on his team?
3: So as of right now, Sale is scheduled to start game five. If if Sale is out for a length of time where he misses to start and the Red Sox don't win game three, the Astros are taking the series.
1: 100%. And, and now, you know, if you're making predictions, both series are tied 1-1. The Brewers and Dodgers play later tonight. Who do you see coming out of, of that series at least?
3: So on paper, the Brewers they don't have that star power, which I've often said you need in baseball. With the exception of Christian Yelich, obviously, Yelich and Lorenzo Cain, they make up arguably, in my opinion, one of the best uh, one of the best outfields in Major League Baseball with uh, Ryan Braun, Lorenzo Cain, and Christian Yelich. But the problem is, the Brewers do not have the pitching that you need in in baseball to make to make it deep. They do not have the starting pitching, but they do have A excellent bullpen led by Josh Hader, uh, Jeremy Jeffries, and Corey Nebel, but I don't think the Brewers have the starting pitching to go up against the Dodgers. But that all depends on if Clayton Kershaw, another another guy, an amazing pitcher, but who's always had his struggles in the postseason, whose ERA is above four in, in the playoffs. If Kershaw can't get that stuff together and the Dodgers' starting pitching falters, as sometimes it does, I think it's the Brewers. But if If Kershaw can shape up and not have another outing like he did in Game One, I think it's the Dodgers.
2: So, Dodgers lost uh, last year in the World Series. Uh, Do you see it as extra motivation for them to go back to the World Series and win it this year?
3: Motivation might not be the right word. Personally, I think the Dodgers last year was their chance. That was their that was their peak. But if they can beat the Brewers in the series, I don't personally I don't think they beat either the Astros or the Red Sox, whoever comes out of the American League. But it would be a good story of redemption, and it might give, uh, give like for example, Walker Buehler, who's really established himself this year, a chance to carry that forward into a lengthy career. But overall, I don't think it's a story of redemption so much as it's the Dodgers are a good team, and they have the money, so they, they're expected to win rather than a story of redemption.
1: And now, you know, there's a good, not a good chance, but there's a possibility that we might just see a rematch of last year's World Series, if you th- if that happens, do you think that the Dodgers can kind of get over that mental hump and take out the Astros? Absolutely not. The uh, Houston Astros, <laughs>
3: fantastic ball club, and the Dodgers, while they are they are a good ball team, baseball team, they've they sort of uh, I, I wouldn't say that, I won't use that well they've regressed over uh, over last year. Even though they've added some new players like Brian Dozier and uh, some new faces have emerged like Max Muncy and Chris Taylor, and most notably the addition of Manny Machado, I don't think they can get over that. Get over Houston because they Houston is a overall better ball club. They've got the some of the best starting pitching in baseball. They had the, they had the best uh, ERA, team ERA this year. Some of the best strikeout numbers. So no, I don't think the Dodgers will will beat the Astros.
1: And now kind of transitioning to some hockey talk, because obviously you're, you're a big fan of, of hockey as well. We've seen a couple plays now early in the season that have kind of put in light the NHL's discipline uh, protocol and how they punish players for certain actions. We saw Tom Wilson get 20. Uh, he's probably going to appeal that and get less. We saw Austin Watson's suspension get uh, appealed and got uh, dropped from 27 to 18. And now we kind of have the uh, Matheson hit on Elias Petterson. What do you think of kind of the string of incidents the league has seen so far?
3: I think the NHL needs to have a, specifically with Austin Watson, they need to have a domestic violence policy, mm-hmm. a blanket number of games, or a very detailed policy that has a zero tolerance, zero tolerance example for any of that, any domestic violence or anything in that regard. Mm-hmm. I think it's ridiculous how an arbitrator awarded less games to an incident like that but in terms of the uh, peterson hits i don't think the actual sorry i don't think the actual hit was the problem it's the fact that he slammed him down directly after the hit that's going to get him suspended but the nhl the nhl has been a changing game for a while in in terms of its uh in terms of plays like that and i think the nhl needs to be better player safety needs to be better on establishing zero tolerance for any incidents
2: like that and what's crazy about the austin watson it's is that his girlfriend after the arbitrator reducer games sent out an apology letter
1: so it's just it's such a weird situation we don't weird, know what's going on yeah exactly but it's tough to know because we, yeah. we, we don't know all the information but the message that it sends is that domestic violence is okay. will get you less games than a, a questionable hit in open ice. Yeah. No it's essentially
2: I, the message Angela sent. The the fact that she sent out this letter after the arbitrator makes it even more strange. Yeah. Um Ben, you were at the you're at the Habs game Saturday night. I was. And for once the Habs are actually fun to watch. Yeah, how, was. how how was that atmosphere at the Bell Center?
3: Well the atmosphere at the Bell Center I've been to since I since I've got to Montreal, I've been to a few games, honestly, when the Canadians are going to be when they have the lack of talent, that's very obvious, and they're not going to have a good season. But when the management comes forward and says they have a plan, and they're going to, they're not going to be good, but they have a plan, they have a direction they're going to be going to. I don't think the Can- Canadians fans uh, will be affected by that as long as there's a plan going for it, and they're playing fun, energetic hockey. They, most nights they won't win because they don't have the talent to win, but they're obviously working hard on the ice, and it shows. And as long as that's happening, and it's on hockey, I don't think there's going
1: to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So I just want to thank you, uh, Ben, for joining us here on the show. Appreciate
3: it. Thanks so much for having
1: me. Sure. Have a good day, man. Yep. Matt, one thing I noticed at the NHL this year,
2: uh, one thing I've always noticed, it's obviously a very um, conservative league in that players don't usually market themselves. And Austin Matthews, this year, did something a little different, took a photo shoot with GQ and and put his name out there. You know, stepped away from the lease from a bit. Put his name out there. I'm Austin Matthews. I'm doing this shoot for GQ. And on social media, I notice some of the older fans, let's say, uh, kind of get mad about that. You know, hockey players, they can't think for themselves. They have to play a team sport. They can't talk out of line. Lars Eller can't talk out of line, apparently. I'm getting a bit tired of it because I'm watching football where Jalen Ramsey goes into every game trash-talking his opponent. And it's fun to watch. It's fun to listen to. And you never hear that in, in, in hockey. And it's just kind of like, can the NHL tr- transition itself into this modern-day league
1: anymore? It's almost a thing where they, there seems to be a disconnect. People think that just because it's a team sport and you have to rely on your your teammates and on your coaches and the whole organization, that just because you have to rely on a team, you can't be an individual within that team. <laughs> Which is o- ridiculous. Outside of the game too. Outside of the game. Outside of the You're game. You're always number or whatever of the so and so organization and you can never just be Austin Matthews or connor McDavid did a GQ shoot as well or PK Subban is very outgoing. Yeah, he is. Um,
2: and and that's why he gets ripped
1: on a lot. Exactly. And <laughs> it it's something where it's become a point now where it, it seems like players don't want to <laughs> don't want to speak out anymore. <laughs> like the the we heard an interesting scrum from a player after a game that It was interesting, not because he was mad at a reporter.
2: Uh, Lars Eller.